Welcome back to the Chats with Creatives podcast. I'm your host, Bronte Charlotte, and today I had a big old chat with Katie Rowe and Michelle McGowage about their upcoming show, Grand Gesture at the Mama. It was so nice to have these two fans over for a chat. We delve deep into how romantic comedies have influenced us, our beliefs, the way we perceive love and relationships, and also some of the movies and TV shows that we've seen that have kind of followed that trajectory or opposed it. If you're interested in making theatre or you love to know how others get their shows up off the ground, this is such a great chat for you. Katie and Michelle talk about how the idea for Grand Gesture came about, different moments in the rehearsal room that helped to define the piece, their experience working with Kat Cornwall and Morgan Rose of The People Theatre Company, and getting back into performing post-lockdown. Before we begin, as always, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. If there are any First Nations people listening today, thank you for being here. Grab a cuppa and sit tight. This is such a joyous, light and exciting episode. Let's jump in. Hello. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited. How are you both? I'm saying to Michelle, we're walking out. It was nice and sunny. Um, I feel really good at the moment. I'm working on two projects. I've just moved into a new place in Carlton. January was just like a weird month where I was like, all I want to do is move and like do things. And I just felt really gross. But I feel like there's a bit of a shift going on at the moment. I feel great. I hope that you do as well. <laughs> I, I'm really relieved that things are starting to shift for me as well. Like I feel quite positive about, I feel like I have 10 different thoughts going on right now. <laughs> I'm doing much better than I was last year. Mm. I feel like it was a really difficult period for me and I went through a lot of extra stuff on top of the pandemic. And even towards the end of last year, once, you know, Melbourne was even out and about, it was just like, you know, I couldn't get back to see my family and things like that. And I still haven't seen them. And But also career-wise, it's great. This is happening with La Mama. And I also have another show coming up in April and just also rediscovering myself as an artist outside of an institution mm. is exciting. Mm. And then also Melbourne is really pumping right now and everyone's so excited to be back out that it is, it feels really good to just be out like mm. at a bar where you're going, we're not in masks and we're <laughs> all smiling. And it's just, I feel like I can really appreciate the little things at the moment. And I really learned that during lockdown mm. and I really got a lot of renewed perspectives. So I'm feeling good now, but it's been a while and it's well fucking, it's about time. (laughs) So first little question about Grand Gesture is where did the idea come from? I remember we were sitting in the voice studio in VCA and we came to a discussion after about an hour of like, we wanted to make a show about love. That was really where it came from. Well, it was either about an apocalypse or love. Or love. (laughs) Which is the same thing, really. I think, yeah. And the room was split in like half. It was like either love or like apocalypse. And then we all decided on love. And then I think we let it sit for a while. And then it just sort of, because it's such a big concept, love. How do we make a show about it? Mm. We eventually got into the discussion of romantic comedy films. Mm. And it just kept coming up Mm. in conversations. And we were like, okay, so there's something about the way we've been taught about love through romantic comedies that's Mm. really fascinating. Mm. And then we just really tuned into that. And then from there, it was like a rabbit hole of just like reading all of these scripts, reading how funny they were, how ludicrous they were. Mm. And then 
we recontextualized the scripts and yeah I guess well because like romantic comedies have a structure that they follow generally all of them and they and each single point like the meet cute and the first fight and the first time they say I love you we thought it's such a funny formula Mm -hmm. let's use that as a base structure for the show Mm -hmm. And then that was when we were able to take all these iconic scenes and just kind of slot them in and see which ones worked best. Like we had at one point, I think it was like maybe 30 to 50 Mm. different options to fit that formula. And we sat there with cards going, "Mm, how does that one go against that Mm. one? That works well. That's too, that's not really enough of a love moment. Like it was, Mm. it was an interesting long process of picking which scene worked best Mm. in what spot. I think we're all really interested in doing a show about love because, you know, we're all sort of young and, you know, sort of thrusted into this community that's very kind of just like free and open and we're all so fascinated by it as well. And But yeah. I think it's also like for us it was more than just making a show about love mm. because it was, as you said, how we've been taught to mm. think about love and how we've been taught to experience romance. And that was really interesting because we all were coming from very different perspectives mm. And especially like a queer perspective, mm. we were very much saying this is not something that you see and let's let's make a comment on that. Mm. And yeah. yeah, we definitely try to make a note of like that story is not important for society. Like we don't see that. We don't talk about it. And for us, that's that's a bad thing. And we want to we want to make note of like mm. this should be happening. Mm. And the way that we have been taught is so heteronormative and bullshit yeah that's why we recontextualize to kind of point the finger at highlighting things that at one point seemed really normal to all of us isn't it ridiculous how these stories are thrust upon you and they don't relate to your life at all yeah especially if you're coming from a queer perspective they don't necessarily matter to you but they make you feel like what you're experiencing is not right or what you're going through is shameful because it's mm. not what you've been told is acceptable within mm. society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. So as you've kind of already touched on it a little bit, but as a group of theatre makers, I'm interested in how you kind of built the idea from the ground up. It was a lot of discussion at first and almost like I thought the work was almost going to become autobiographical because mm. it was a lot of talking about our experiences mm. with love and like our perceptions of like like yeah. the best moments that have happened to us and yes. the worst moments that have happened to us yeah and like how romantic comedies have like been like teaching guide on like how you should date and how you should mm. do all of these things sort of like this guide to life which is just I realize it's just such a flawed system like I'm never going to rely on romantic comedies again mm. but it was a lot of like discussion about things that we had gone through I remember a lot of times sitting around in a circle just sort of listening to people's experiences and Kat and Morgan who were our directors for the project initially back when we first made this at BCA and also are still our directors now they also very much were at the helm of the style that we were working in Mm. and you know immediately in the rehearsal room we had a microphone we had a, a stool that we would sit on we would do multiple exercises where one person would come up and tell a story on a microphone where perhaps someone else was doing something else physical in the room. Mm. And slowly we kind of just pieced together the actual structuring of the show Mm. based on these little exercises that were just there to kind of get to know Mm. the content of our own romantic lives. Mm -hmm. And they also have this tool called the playground where you basically map out a stage with different rules of behavior And that became the basis of our show in the sense that we did multiple long form improvisations where 
in that part of the stage, you could only be experiencing heartbreak. And in that part of the stage, you could only be experiencing new love. And we would stay in these for like an hour, two hours. um, Mm. And they would sit there and watch and pull people out and put people in and change rules. They would have soundtracks going at the Mm. same time. So the show was really built really organically Mm. from these long form improvs. And then we kind of, from that, were able to slot in the iconic film scenes Mm. and go, okay, well then where should that scene go to make the most commentary on what is actually going on mm-hmm. based on like the staging. And we also had a script quite early on with sort of mm. all of the, the scenes that we were going to use. One time we had the script and like, they were like, right, let's go into this improvisation. Let's go into the playground with the script. And it was really daunting because it's like, what is about to happen in this space? And mm. it really just flowed super easily And people sort of ended up in certain scenes and it was like, yes, that person is definitely suited for that particular moment. And, you know, Kat and Morgan are writing copious notes. And I remember after that particular improvisation with the script, we all just had a moment. We were like, that's the show. And Kat and Morgan were like, you could put that on like tonight. Yeah. And which is such an incredible feeling as an artist Mm. to do an improvisation. Because improvisation can be just so awful. And for it to feel almost successful was just like so exciting. We were like, right, this is the the basis. This is the structure for the for the show. It was I, awesome. I think it came back to our training as well, mm. having been like taught to listen and respond so carefully to the group mm-hmm. that when we had that base foundational script, everything else was just added stimulus that was just, you know, we were just listening for. Mm. And which is why it just worked really well because we knew when someone had slot into that position, we are like, cool, let's respect that. And as a cast, we just work really well as a really strong listening Mm. ensemble, which is really Mm. refreshing. Is this the first time the group of you have worked together? The same eight of us, yes. I think you'd know as well being at VCA, like you sort of work with everyone at some point, but this is the first time that the eight of us, this beautiful group of eight people, and Kat and Morgan had all been together. Mm. And um, Mm. it really is a really solid group. We love each other. It's a very good group of people. Do you see things moving forward with like the group of you? All eight of us? Mm Definitely. I mean, that's that's an interesting question. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think we have the potential. Mm. It It sounds that way, the way you're talking about it. Yeah. I can definitely see us, and maybe someone will hear this and be like, are you kidding me? I could totally see us remounting this again at some point, just because the show is, we all love the show so much. But it's sort of, I mean, after COVID, I feel like a lot of people are really on their own path at the moment of, I think COVID really sort of solidified what people want to do. And it seems like a lot of people are really on their own path of this is what I'm going to do, but I'm also coming back to do this show because I love it yeah. and I'm passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite lucky that we've, we're all free mm. and we were all really willing. I mean, it, it was a test to the strength of the show that mm. we all thought yes I'm definitely blocking out this time and I'm definitely coming back to do this because we blocked the group. out ages ago yeah yeah they were like are you in like are you really in for this about six months ago maybe like a long time ago they're like who's in like let's lock Honestly, this down a year ago oh, maybe? we oh. pitched it to La Mama mm. was it your final piece at VCA no it was yeah. our second year end of second That's year show amazing. which is amazing mm. it is amazing it is amazing it was, yeah. whoa yeah <laughs> whoa. we just had such a good response from it the response was insane like I was not expecting we, none of it. us were expecting it mm. I think when you're in a show as well because you're so in it you cannot see out of it and you just don't know mm. how it's feeling or how it's it's looking because you're not the director and you're not mm. the dramaturg and you're not the writer 
So when you put something on, you're like, what is going to happen? But the response was just so like overwhelmingly positive. And I feel arrogant saying that, but it just was like, we were all so enthusiastic the day after opening. We were like, what have we created? This is incredible. Mm. Yeah. It was pretty beautiful. Mm. It was a very nice time. I look back on it, especially like going into before COVID. It was a very sweet moment doing this show. It was mm. a really happy time. <laughs> So you studied together at the VCA, specifically in the theatre making course with these other six people that you're working with on Grand Gesture. Yeah. How did you, as a cast, move through like rough patches or disagreements or did you have any? Were there moments mm. where someone had to... There's a, a lot of compromise. Yeah. Yeah. To hear yeah. Just how you would like move through those times and those spaces. We're very good at talking things out really good. Mm. Like as soon as someone didn't like something or mm. was having an issue with a choice, it would be discussed. There was no hidden anything in the room, which was really great because it always strengthened the reason why we made the choice mm. Yeah, because we'd go, all right, if that's upsetting you or if that's frustrating, why is that not working? And, and also, can we help you see why that should work? A lot of people felt very passionately about certain scenes. Mm. And at the end of the day, there was just a lot of hold on tightly, let go lightly mm. moments for mm. everyone. And everyone tried to get to be like happy, at least with, you know, one solid mm. moment of theirs within the show. I also think with any sort of creative discussion, you just always have to, and I feel like I've, I'm gradually getting better at this, is just nothing is personal. You sh- like, hopefully it's not personal. And if you're giving someone like a note or like the director's giving you a note or some sort of like um, mm. constructive criticism, just always tell yourself this isn't personal. It's obviously to serve the work better. So it's like when you're having those conversations and someone's like, we're cutting this scene, it's not because mm. you're a bad actor in it mm. or it was a bad choice. It's just because it's not working. It belongs, Cat and Morgan would always say, it belongs in another show. Yeah. Mm. So it's just, I feel like nothing's ever personal. And mm. like when you're in that room, it's just, it's professional. And, you know, nothing is a personal attack on you as an artist or you as a performer. And that's just like a good reminder. I think we all got pretty good at that because some of the conversations were quite transparent and, mm. and candid and, and hard, but just always sort of having that professional outlook of... This is not me. This is about the work. And we always checked in Mm -hmm. after every rehearsal as well. And also about the whole show, like, is everyone feeling okay about Mm. how it's progressing so far? Has anyone got any major gripes with that choice we made today? So there was always the question being asked and the answer being listened to. Mm. And Cat Morgan really facilitated that for Mm. us. And I think taught us that as practitioners now, Mm. like I will never not do that in my own room Mm. and make sure that everyone is being heard and understood. Mm. Do you feel like things would have been different without Cat and Morgan then? Oh, 100%. Yeah. They're very good makers. And they also have a very strong aesthetic. Like Mm. they have, and this isn't a spoiler because it's in their production photos. Like they're very big on using signs in their work. And that's a common occurrence in a lot of their pieces. And also like use of microphone. Like there's definitely maybe design things yeah that they really like using and I also really enjoyed them I think they serve this show super duper well yeah their aesthetic really informed Mm. the show and they're they're a powerhouse duo like Kat's really a director and Morgan is like a writer so it's like a great combination having like a a writer and a director in the room Mm. at the same time as eight writer directors in the room as (laughs) well you know because that's Um, kind of interesting we're all like directing each other as much as possible without it overpowering them Mm. and without overstepping the line Mm. of being like, you need to be doing that. But Mm. we're all pretty good at being like, Hey, actually you were further upstage last Mm. time. And Mm. you know, like it's, there's no, there's no hard feelings when someone needs to say something like that. (laughs) 
you as two women in that space, having two women kind of in charge of the space, how did that feel for you personally as a woman in the space? <laughs> oh, it was so good. <laughs> I remember we kept saying it. I was like, it's so good. To, and also like two mm. other like young women as well. Like they're, oh. they're, they were like like-minded. Like we felt, mm. I felt so connected mm-hmm. to them. And um, it was really, really great. Very refreshing. Because, you know, we've worked with a lot of male directors and things like that at BCA. And it was just really refreshing. Yeah, it was just, there's nothing else to say other than it was Mm. just really a safe Mm. and comfortable environment that they really nourished, Mm. which was wonderful. I've had similar experiences where if there's a female director or a female team, the space just becomes a lot more nurturing. Mm. And I don't know why, because you can have a man in a position of power who's still a nurturing human, Mm. but there's something about a woman's presence or someone who doesn't conform to binaries. There's just like, there's a little bit of... I think it comes down to gaze. Like, I think so. Mm. I think you're right. Because yeah. I already am always conscious of the male gaze. Mm-hmm. And if I have a female director, then I, I don't even have to switch that brain on. And that is just like, oh, so Because that constant energy that you're putting mm. into knowing that you're mm. being observed in mm. that way, regardless of whether they're trying to objectify you or not. Mm. It's just like, you know that that's occurring because that's the society we live in. Mm-hmm. And we also had like a lot of conversations about how rom-coms can be really damaging to women. And it was great. Because- to have nearly always made yes. in the male gaze. Yes. Exactly. As much as rom-coms like 99% are said of the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of the show. show. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Usually like rom-coms are put on for like a girls' night out or like there there's like <laughs> promotional material for women to come and see a rom-com and usually it's a man who's like no I don't want to go but the show has been made mm. in a male's perspective. Mm-hmm. They're presenting mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. someone who is usually way too attractive mm. to like relate to as like <laughs> in like the normal scale of mm. society and the relationship is unrealistic mm. and and the age gap as the well there's generally is, like a really old man with a 20 year old woman usually yeah. and, and there's usually the things that happen in the story are something that a man thinks a woman wants not necessarily mm. what totally. a woman wants mm. in yeah. a relationship or what she knows that she wants because society has told her through rom-coms that this is what you want but that's yeah. but see like this is exactly what we were going through yeah. it was just so many long conversations about yeah. that impact and that yeah. feeling it was yeah and it was almost embarrassing realizing because i used to love romantic comedies and you know what I, there's a part of me that still does i still love them it's like a pure form of like escapism and it's so yeah. comfortable like if i need something to watch where i'm like i need to switch off it's usually a romantic comedy that's it right or like oh, it's know, embarrassing sometimes it's like a feel-good film or totally like, but there's an element now of understanding mm-hmm. that it's not real life yeah I think for me as like a 10 12 year old I was like, oh, this this is one day, one day this will happen. Mm. And that's mm. not true. Yeah. It's not realistic. There's a Sex in the City episode where <laughs> I've been watching a lot of it lately. Like, <laughs> where Charlotte is, um, she's redecorated her apartment and she's getting it shot for House and Garden. And she's nice. just broken up with Trey that morning. And yeah. so, but the shoot was supposed to be her perfect marriage and her perfect house. Yeah. And because when she was a kid, she would see these magazines and look at them and be like, wow, I want that. And it's funny because she has this breakup and she's going to do this shoot alone because Trey walks out on her and is like, no, I'm not going to be there. And then she's having it happen and Trey ends up turning up and is like, look, I know it means a lot to you, so I'll just be here. And they smile and it looks perfect. And it carries like voiceover is like, and one day some little girl will look at that photo and be like, I want that. And my heart just was like, oh, Mm. the fact that there really is so much going on beneath these 
two-dimensional images and representations of love and perfection mm. it's like we we should question that we should question everything mm. and go what is actually going on behind there because mm. i know it's sex in the city but it was making a good point absolutely just so many factors about these films we're talking about like different bodies needing to be represented in these films and even like we talked a lot about like money and like the people who like live in these apartments in new york city in these films who like are like struggling journalists i'm like Wait, how do you afford this? Like, there's so yeah. many parts of it that are just not realistic that mm. we fantasize about. Like, it's just the whole thing is also wild. race. Like, we're yeah, eight massive. white, like Caucasian makers, and two mm. like white directors as well. Mm. And we made a point of that. We try to make a point of the fact that yeah, everyone who's a lead in these romantic films is white, and so are we. Because it's like, we can't avoid that. Mm. So let's point to that and also say that this is problematic as well. They're just really problematic, aren't they? <laughs> They're so problematic. There's a lot of issues yes. with romantic comedies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's kind of depressing to think about. It is. It is. But then it's also like, there are a lot of genres of film, I think, that have like issues, and mm. issues upon issues, but the fact that you're like burrowing down into romantic comedies mm. is very exciting. Mm. It's a juicy minefield. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rabbit hole. Did you guys kind of delegate roles? I know you have Kat and Morgan acting as directors. Did you guys kind of delegate roles or was that just it? You were just actors, theatre makers, and then there were directors in the space. It was rotating, really. Like, ultimately, they were the final word. Um, Mm. And in terms of the actual casting of those roles, they chose. They thought you would be best for that, you'd be best for that. Once we'd done a thousand improvisations Mm. all in different roles, so they kind of got a landscape of what we were like within these positions. But then in terms of the actual specific content, we had director a day days where we were in charge of a scene and staging a scene and um, making everyone do everything. And that was just awesome because so much, this is back in second year. So much came out of that. Yeah. A lot lot really did. Yeah. And a lot of those things like, the full entirety of the piece wouldn't make it in the show, but it, a particular moment yeah. would inform yeah. another moment in the show, yeah. which is really satisfying yeah. as a maker. Or even just the style, like, you yeah. know, we were doing like a, a specific style of dance and that dance that we did didn't end up in the show, but that style of dance did in mm. a different version of the choreography. Mm-hmm. So it was like we would each bring something and it was like our little flavour or abilities and then yeah they kind of went oh cool so it was nice to have that external eye because in second year you're still kind of like I don't know I make theater but I don't really know mm-hmm. and I mean even after VCA it's like three years you're still I'm going to be finding my voice as a theater maker for the rest of my life mm-hmm. but uh, to have their experienced eye seeing the potential in all of those little bits was really cool yeah, yeah. did you ever talk with them about where they are in their creative journey did a little bit. Probably should have more, shouldn't we? <laughs> Whoops. Well, I'll get onto that. Because you, because you mentioned that you're going to be finding your voice mm. as a theatre maker for yeah. the rest of your life. Like yeah. these two running this space, mm. probably thinking the same thing, right? Totally. They're still trying to like find yeah. their voice as a theatre maker. But yeah. they've come into a space and they have to run mm. these rehearsal rooms and almost help you guys create this show. Mm. I'm, I'm so curious like about them, like how... How do you, I mean, how would you do that? Well, they're like <laughs> pros because they have their own company, um, Riot Stage, yes. which usually works with young people. Kids, so yes. they're is it still Riot Stage? Yeah. Yes, but, but they they're about two... to okay. launch their new company. And this is their mm-hmm. first show with under that title, which okay. is called The People. But they work a lot with teenagers and, and youth. And so I think they're very interested in like the next generation like of performers mm-hmm. and also like, Kat's trained at Zen Zen Zo, so Kat's from a very, like, physical background. 
and has done a lot of performing herself. Mm. But she's mainly director now. I don't know if she still performs. And then Morgan's become like a very successful writer. Mm. She's yeah. done stuff for Red Stitch and... But they, um, yeah, they kind of just said that they like have their own process mm-hmm. that they've developed over time as well, which mm-hmm. is kind of what they brought to us was like to, to answer your question of how do you even do that? How do you mm-hmm. come into a room with new makers? It's like you bring in things that you know have worked in the past, exercises, mm-hmm. and then you meet those makers where they are and see what comes because that's the magic from yeah. in between is like we've been trained in a certain way, but we also have our own backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And then that's where, yeah, everything happens. Yeah. So it was like very specific. They have very specific exercises and... Even like music. They always, music, like, yeah. they always use music to underscore improvisations. And like, I'm sure they would use the same kind of music for like a lot of their work. Like music's a big part of their process as well. And this exercise called the playground, which I think they use. Mm. Yeah, totally. Like they know what Just works. Just tried and, and tested techniques. Yeah. yeah. And it was also like very like, there's like no hierarchy. Like they were yeah. very much like come into this at the same level. Like... We want to learn from you. Like, what do you have to say? Which was also like a very, you know, they weren't sort of up above. Like, we are the directors. Mm. They were very much just like, we're on the same level here. Like, bring mm. in the same energy. Mm. Which is always like lovely because you just feel so supported and so like equal. Who do you think this show is for? I don't want to say everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's not. It's It's, it's not. I have a fun anecdote about this. Mm-hmm. My uncle is a barrister and he's quite serious and like doesn't, I don't think he sees a lot of theatre. Um, and I remember after he came to the show, like after opening night, my mum rang me the next day and they were like, I've never seen him like laugh and be like that invested in something in so long. And mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, is this show for like the non-arts engaging? Like, is it an accessible show? Because it's quite palatable like it's not super heavy it's not super wordy it's not super artsy like it's a good show for almost someone who doesn't see a lot of theater like it's a good entry point if you want to start seeing some new work yeah Does that reckon that's right? yeah, yeah 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 my parents also <laughs> like normally after a show you know they might be like oh well done you know yeah I don't quite understand it but mm. you were great kind of thing and yeah. this one they were like we loved it so much. That mm. was incredible. You know, wanted to know more. And that is just... And, and then you also had people my age as well saying the same thing. So in the sense of, like, it does cross age gaps. And I think that is a testament to romantic comedies. Mm. Like, our scenes come from the 80s and the 90s. So you've you've mm. got people who can relate to them from who are 60. Mm. You've got people who can relate now our age because we've all grown up and experienced those. And then in terms of, like, commentary on the actual content that is kind of I don't know I think it does lend itself to a a more female identifying audience only because of the points that we're making about Mm. like wow women have had to put up with a lot and look at how fucked up this is for women and Mm. etc so maybe perhaps like as a young man you might either be confronted by that as opposed to like but I don't know that's just an assumption I think you're right, though, about a female-identifying audience. And even, like... But is that interesting? Because that does that come back to the fact that rom-coms are for women? Right. And it's almost mm. more important for a male-identifying person to come in... Totally. To, yeah. to, to see it. start to understand the mm. types of things that women have kind of been taught to believe and mm. think about themselves. Oh, I feel like if you, if you recognise a lot of the romantic comedy films within the show, you will also probably not enjoy it more, but I feel like 
like audience members would come out and be like, I loved what you yeah. did with that scene because I love that scene yeah, and seeing it recontextualized. Yeah, yeah. So it's like if you are like a rom com fan, I'm sorry, but yeah, you were like the show, which is kind of interesting that our audience is. Or we might ruin it forever for you. Yeah. You'll never look at it the same way. That's the way I like to think about Mm. a lot of the way we've staged the scenes. A lot of us. I know a lot of the cast had a lot of non-arts engaging people come, partners and family, and they all really resonated with it. Mm. Because it usually is that thing after you do a show that's a bit, you know, whatever. People go, good job, and I don't know what that meant. But this was the first time where everyone was like, yes, I got it, and I loved it. And that Mm. was just Mm. really cool. Has it changed at all from the first time you put it on? Like delivery wise, mm. I think there's been some changes because we're all kind of different people now. Mm-hmm. And so that's inevitable. Yeah. I think the content is still relevant, but it hits slightly differently. Yeah. So it stayed mostly the same, but yeah, performance wise, there are some natural adjustments. And plus we also just didn't, we had a tight schedule. Like we didn't have mm. time to really like revisit anything or redo it. Cause we open in like a week on Tuesday mm. and we started rehearsals like what? A week, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So but it was kind of like, days a week. Yeah, it's, it's been like, <laughs> the, get the show back yeah. up, yeah. Just get back in your thing. body, go perform. Yeah. <laughs> don't think about it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. How has that been coming out of lockdown? To jump back into that world. Hard, but also like so good. really good. <laughs> like we're all just like wanna to touch each other and we're all just like, I love you so much. Yeah. Mm. We were all kind of, you know, getting back into our bodies and I haven't had that feeling of mm. being in a room with other people and feeling that focused energy where everyone is in touch with themselves mm. and each other in such a long time. Mm. And that was just such a nice reminder to go, okay, this is really fundamental to being a theatre maker and an artist in the theatre space Mm. is just that silent connection and understanding in the same space because, you know, working over Zoom for us, you would just give, give, give to the screen and you didn't get anything back. But that's the beautiful thing when you're in a space is you get this nice support at all times, even if you're doing different things. Mm. So, yeah, gosh, it's been so nice after the pandemic. Yeah, it's been very wholesome and very satisfying. Mm. I'm so excited as an audience member Mm. to kind of have you guys experiencing that, but then to also come into the space and have that feedback from the audience. Mm. Like, I'm going to feed off. All of the connection that you guys are having mm. while I'm, like, watching. And, and we're yeah. the first show back at La Mama. Yeah, I'm always yeah. getting emotional. Yeah. It's like we're, we're yeah. reopening La Mama mm. and that yeah. is yeah. massive. Yeah. Oh, I'm going emotional. Like, theatre is just, like, we've missed out on it for so long and it's just such an honour that we get to open that space back up again after such a drought of just, like, no theatre, like, no live performance. Mm. It's so exciting. Yeah. It's going to be special. I went to come from away and they, they came out and it was the opening night and they were like, we have waited 300 days before. And I was like covered in goosebumps. And they were like, you have, you have locked down so that we can be here today. And everyone was just like, ah! <laughs> it was just like, I'm getting goosebumps yes. now. It was so powerful. Yeah, yeah. And then to see them performing and doing their thing, it just made me be like, yes, we have been waiting in the shadows, like keeping ourselves Like, we've been legally forced to not do our jobs. Mm. Other people have just been able to adapt to a room in their house. And we've actually been forced. And I don't think people understand how important it is for us to practice our art. Yeah. Because I felt really rusty as well coming back. I'm Mm. going, oh, gosh, my lower back. And I'm not breathing into my right rib and, you know, stuff like that. It's the things that you used to just do without thinking 
that are now like I performance is a muscle and, mm. and it's been very tiring getting mm. that back and also yeah. just like acting like the other day we were doing a scene <laughs> and I had to act because I'm an actor and I was like I don't know how to also, do this like I was like yep taking direction cool I, I, performing how do I do it like it's just so it's it is such a muscle and I I'm so out of touch with it at the moment I'll be right by opening night hopefully <laughs> You'd hope so. Yeah, we hope so. <laughs> but I think Huge. we need to go easy on ourselves at oh, the same yeah. time oh, yeah. because it's inevitable that it's going to be hard mm. and foreign, even though it is our trade. So I feel like you've already answered this, but was there like a question that you were asking with this piece or is there something there? Is, ah! There's a, we had a set, wait, did you want to finish your question well, it first? Was, just like, was there a question or do you feel like you answer something? That's a big part of Cat and Morgan's process is like they have a central, a, central a central question for the show that they say like it should be, you shouldn't be able you to answer it. You shouldn't be able to answer it. You should, if you can, too simple a it's question. It's too simple. So they're like, it has to be way bigger. And it was how do we take down the love narrative that we've been sold? That we've been sold? Reclaim. 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 Yeah, reclaim. How do we take down and reclaim the love the narrative love that we've been sold? Yeah. And that is that is a massive question. Yeah. Because love narratives have been sold forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like since before rom coms were a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I mean we could go we could go back four hundred years to Shakespeare. We could go mm-hmm. back even further to like the Greeks. So we could mm-hmm. go back even further to I don't know what came before, but like mm. <laughs> so yeah, there, there's like these and yeah, storytelling or like whatever it was that these love narratives have been going forever mm-hmm. and so yeah how do you exactly change it reclaim it it's like mm. especially when when and and this is like kind of heartbreaking to think about but then when it's like there's a group of eight of you working on this and then there's a group of people around you that will come to watch it and understand and be like yes i feel that i know what you're talking about i'm like living that experience with you and then there's maybe a wider group of people who also have those thoughts and feelings, but maybe they're not in contact with you, they're not seeing the show. Mm-hmm. And then there's like scattered people around. It's kind of like you're hitting a small group of people in relation to like the Melbourne community or mm-hmm. like Victoria, mm-hmm. Australia, the world. You're hitting a very small group of people. And then there are spatterings of people around who will also be thinking and feeling the same thing and experiencing that experience. But so much of the world maybe isn't even aware mm. of the narratives that they're being sold. Mm. So there is like, I really like that Kat and Morgan are like ask a question that's almost unanswerable because that for me is mm. an unanswerable question because how do you do that? Mm. The majority of the world probably isn't even aware of, of these narratives that mm. they're being sold. Well, to mm. me, that's kind of the point of making art is mm. like ask the difficult questions and show people perspectives that mm. they might not, not have considered before. Mm. And therefore make them reflect in their own lives. Mm. Like hopefully that's that's what I hope people can take away from it is that they go and next time they are watching a film, they go, oh, that is mm. actually kind of messed up what mm. he's doing right now in that scene. And I never mm. would have seen that before. Yeah. You know, like I can't watch 16 Candles now without being like, wow, mm. that's rape. Mm. And I thought mm. that was normal. Mm-hmm. And every generation that yeah. watched that thought that was normal. Mm-hmm. And have been taught to think that that is normal. That movie mm. and all other movies like it, but in this scenario, that movie was like a lesson to children who were not yeah. being taught 
proper sex education. Mm. And so they go to whatever they have access to, which at that time was porn or rom-coms. Mm. And that rom-com is saying that that is normal mm. and that is what you should expect in your life. Mm. And if a man is watching that film or a boy is watching that film, they go, okay, so that's how I should act. Mm. We also talked a lot about The Notebook. No spoilers. No, no spoilers because this scene isn't in the show. I remember I found that scene, which initially I thought was so romantic, where he's on the, he's hanging on the Ferris wheel and he's like, oh, yeah. he's like, go out with me or I'm yeah. going to jump off here and like oh, essentially yeah. kill myself. When I, I remember watching that with my friends at a sleepover being like, this is so romantic. I want someone yeah. to do this for me. And now yeah. I'm like, that is, that is emotional manipulation and that is yeah. disgusting. Right. Which is just romanticized because it's Ryan Gosling and he's super attractive yeah. and Rachel McAdams is like gorgeous. It's just like, yeah, it's just so bad because also like a lot of younger girls do watch those films mm. and it's just, it's just so toxic. And it like, I hate being like sort of self-indulgent about it but this show definitely changed my perspective of what love is and how not love should be taught but how you should experience it and what to steer clear from and mm. I think that's pretty powerful mm. that like a work really really shifted my thinking about a lot of different things and it's you know it's on my mind right now because we're rehearsing it but mm. it's really at the forefront but it's pretty but amazing like when I went and saw the holiday recently and there's all of these great queer accounts on Instagram that talk about can we please have a queer story where it's not someone coming out and it being traumatic <laughs> and it's like oh the, the, wait, season happy season, season not the yes. holiday yeah happy <laughs> season <laughs> starts with an age you know we went and saw that and it's like that's a traumatic coming out story essentially mm. yeah oh yeah and it's like so is that now like what queer yeah. people are getting is yeah. like is the beginnings of representation, but it's still horribly traumatic. I want to get onto like if there's like a movie or something that you guys have seen that doesn't have those traumatic kind of messages to it, like for example, what happens in the Notebook or what happens in Happier Season. Mm. And one for me is Shit's Creek because the entire six seasons, six seasons, mm. there is not a single moment of homophobia. Mm. Mm. And when Dan Levy was asked about, because he plays the role of his pansexual, and, and he was asked about how he kind of envisioned the world or, like, why he didn't write in any experiences of homophobia or why he didn't write in, like, the parents being concerned about him being pansexual or, or not accepting it, and he just goes, why do I have to create a world where there's homophobia when I already live in one? Mm. Like, why do I have to, why do we have to show another world where people are experiencing these awful things mm. when, like, there is this other option mm. where it literally doesn't matter mm. what you identify as mm. or what your sexuality is because it can be anything. Mm. And, like, there are moments in it where, like, he sleeps with a girl and then the, the father is just like, oh, so you guys are, like, together. And then, like, you know, in another episode he, like, sleeps mm. with a boy and, mm. and so the father's like, oh, mm. so you guys, like... And mm. just, like, there's no difference in the response. Mm-hmm. It just... Yeah, that's my example of something that I think is like mm. one of those things that's that's getting them healthy. To be, yeah, yeah, a healthy representation of a large majority of society. Mm. Mm. Another film that comes to mind—it's not a rom, oh, kind of is a romantic comedy—is Booksmart. And I showed you Booksmart. Yeah, yeah, Have you yeah. seen Booksmart? I think so. It's directed by Olivia Wilde, and it's a high school film, which is also a whole other category of films that are mm. damaging. It's like the teen coming of age film, mm. but this one is just fab because there's just I don't know even how to describe it. It's just one of my favourite films because I just think it... The teenagers actually talk how, like, me and my friends actually talk. It's not like a, hey, you dumb bitch. Are you going to meet me at the bleachers? <laughs> and I'm going to kick your face in. Like, they just talk like... <laughs> so good. Yeah, they just talk like normal, how young people talk. Mm-hmm. One of the lead, act- lead actresses is 
queer and it's not super commented on. It's not like a plot line of the mm. thing. It's just a good, funny mm. film. But in terms of romantic comedies, I, I actually think can't any. think of one that doesn't. I mean, I'm sure they're out there. Mm. We're also talking about the other day, I was talking with Cat Morgan about like cheating culture being normalised mm. in romantic comedies. The love triangle being romanticised of like... The guy swoops in and comes into some relationship and gets the girl and it's so romantic. It's like, that's just really wrong. Like, also, like, love triangles and cheating just being so normalised and romanticised in these films is... I can't, yeah. I think there's more TV representation of Mm. it. But even then, it's, like, kind of glimpses, Mm. you know. I've definitely watched things that have been well-written comparatively, but nothing's really coming to mind that's ticking all the boxes. I just want to say that, like, you kind of already said it before, (laughs) but it is the type of show that if you've never seen theatre before, Mm. you can come and Mm. have a really great night. I know that theatre to a lot of people who don't go and see theatre can be quite daunting or just Mm. they've seen a lot of bad representations of theatre. And I think that because we pull from another medium or film, we are really opening up our audience to... People who haven't seen theatre can relate to what they're seeing on stage because they might have already watched it somewhere else. And also just because the themes and what we're covering is so universal, you're going to leave with a renewed perspective regardless of where you're coming from. And I also think, given this whole conversation, I had a good reminder from a cast member the other day, this show is not, we're not shitting on rom-coms. We're saying the genre is there, it exists let's just reshift the way that we do it and the way that we represent it. It's not a show that is like, rom-coms suck, you shouldn't watch them, let's cancel them. Mm. It's not that. It's like, they're there because sometimes if they're done well, rarely, it can be a really nice escape and it's comfortable and it's sweet and you can go see it with someone and have a laugh and I think everyone really needs that right now. Mm. So I think that's also a good reminder is we're not just going to be like, they suck. It's like, (laughs) let's keep them around but let's change them, which I think is a really nice outlook at the moment, especially with COVID. It's like, okay, we've paused. How are we going to reshift these? How are we going to remake romantic comedies now with all of these new things? Yeah, it seems well-timed and very fitting. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Little cat. No, it's been so good to chat about it. Very nice conversation. I'm so glad to see the show. What a whirlwind. Sometimes it can be so weird and interesting reflecting on your youth and how and when your ideas and beliefs and perceptions of the world around you were ingrained into your psyche this was such an interesting discussion for me as a reflection on romantic comedies and how they've influenced my life you can catch michelle and katie with the rest of their gorgeous cast in grand gesture when it opens on tuesday the 9th of january at la mama in Carlton. It runs until the 21st as a double bill for La Mama's Love Fest and will be opening the gorgeous theatre after Melbourne's lockdown. It has almost been a year since we had shows at La Mama, so please come along and support local theatre, local artists, new work and good art. Until next time, stay creative. <laughs>